We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always my co-host, Nick Pilato. And today, we've got a special guest, a reoccurring guest, joining us again. He joined us last to preview the last Giants-Cardinals matchup. We got him back to preview another Giants-Cardinals matchup. It's Ed Smith. You can find him on Twitter, at Ed Smith Speaks. And Ed, why don't you let everyone know where they can find all of your work before we get into this? First off, great to be back on with you, gentlemen. Loved our you know last uh, appearance, and you know just found out I got a neighbor out here in Arizona with me with Nick. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we just um, you know obviously we do the Believe in Cardinals podcast. My radio partner and I, we also just uh, went national with our Easy Sports Talk show. Uh, we uh, are now in ninety-eight affiliates across the country, thirty-five states. Thank if you go to Sports Map Radio, the Easy Sports Talk show is on every Saturday from one to three Eastern. And like I said, 98 markets and, uh, you know, doing that thing. And then obviously jumping on great shows like yours. We also do the Easy Sports Talk podcast three days a week. So, you know, this is, you know, it's that busy time of the year for us. But like I said, always love jumping on with uh, gentlemen as yourself. My guy, Ed, killing it. And I got to apologize to our YouTube audience for seeing the background for Ed Smith right now <laughs> with all those eagle jerseys, eagle green, eagle white. But hey, it is what it is. You had a you had a career, and we respect that, even though it was with the Philadelphia. You're gonna make me actually do some redecorating, Nick, because I'm gonna have to <laughs> pull some stuff and rotate a little bit just so I'm not offending anybody. <laughs> <laughs> so we wanted to start here by getting a feel for the Cardinals franchise. Somewhat of a strange transitionary period where they paid their quarterback not long ago, and now a new regime has come into town. What's the vibe? in the Valley among Cardinals fans about this 2023 season? It depends on what's, I guess, fraction of the, the, the fans you talk to. Some have that mindset of, you know, hope springs eternal because they are making some great changes. And, you know, this new regime is going to come in and turn things around. Then there are others that are more realists that look at this roster and what they've done since the offseason. You know, rosters are not just formulated by a draft and then you get to training camp. We got a sense early on when they stopped uh, basically um, any type of free agents, we didn't even go after them. We didn't have anybody visit. They didn't try to pull anything in. Uh, they let go of the talent, the, the small talent that we had. We had a couple guys you know, go to Denver, go over here, and then the draft comes. They fill a couple holes, and then 
like throughout free agency, they were just, yeah, if you're a mid-level guy, hey, you want to come play for us? We'll give you a one, two-year contract. Come on in. And our, the, the talent on this roster has been stripped down to the bone to the, to the point where I actually have to pull up the roster just to be able to, ed, you know, be educated to talk about because we don't have any players here. And you talk about our quarterback being down. They get rid of a Colt McCoy. We're going with a guy, Josh Dobbs, who literally off the street, you know, just, you know, two weeks here in the organization. He's starting for you. It's been a mess. And, you know, it's the, the, the fans are going to have to be patient for one and understand this isn't a remodel of the kitchen or the bathroom. This is we blew the house up down to the studs, and now we got to put the whole frame and everything and start from scratch. There's not going to be a lot of wins here. What I'm looking for, gentlemen, is can we compete and stay in games? And first game was actually, a, you know, we'll talk about it, but it was actually a pleasant surprise because I thought they were going to get mollywhopped. And, and here we stayed in that game. We'll see where we go from here. But it, it is a total, you know, as far as like hope, as far as anybody who knows, there's not a lot of hope out here in Arizona. You guys are got it down to the foundation. I want to ask you this real quick. What happened with former giant great Colt McCoy? What's the story behind that situation? Uh, I I don't want to use the tank word, but you yeah. know, okay. it, but when you do something that obvious, it, it does become obvious that they want they're not as interested in winning games as they are maybe setting themselves up for next year. If nothing else. Why not keep Colt around to educate these two young quarterbacks that you have? You didn't even if, if even if he's not going to start for you, his value is trying to get these guys. You know, Josh Dobbs, who has total now three starts. A uh, uh, Tune, I have trouble even remember his first name. Clayton Tune, I think it is. He's never starting it. Why not keep Colt around just to help these guys figure out how you study, what you're looking for when you're watching the film. When they come off the field and they got that deer in the headlights look, well, this is what they threw at you. This is what you can expect next, or this is how you react to that. To have his presence would have told me they're at least trying to fake it. But they, when they let him go, and you know, you look at that quarterback room, it's like, wow, you know, I, I would have a hard time as a head coach standing in front of my team and telling them, we got a chance. We're going to go out and eh, it, it looks bad. But you know, like I said, we talked. To, as, about as bad as they would be and they actually showed up in the first game you know so we'll see what it looks like but i, I have a feeling it's going to get a lot worse before it gets much any better yeah and i think that's part of the process as you mentioned and as you also said ed that first game was a lot more competitive than people expected so i want to talk a lot about that matchup but first before we get there i want to talk about a few other things anytime we have you on ed i would love to get your expertise on the tight end position for those who don't know ed played tight end at the nfl level so i want to talk a little bit about a second year tight end on the cardinals and that's trey mcbride this is a player who just two years ago a lot of giants fans are all in on during the draft process they really wanted to draft trey mcbride personally i found him to be a bit of an overrated prospect but giants fans you know sometimes they're they're struck by the need and they want to get the position of need and they want to put the, Oh wow. He's the number one rated player on the board. Let's get him. He hasn't played much with the Cardinals. And last week, Zach Ertz still operated as kind of that go-to guy at the tight end position. What have you seen from Trey McBride? How's the development coming? Is there more behind the scenes going on that we don't know about, or we're not privy to where's he at from a blocking standpoint and where's he at from a receiving standpoint? Well, you know, Dan, when they made that pick with me and the Cardinals last year, what do you think about, 
not this year, but last year, all the needs that we had, and they went out and got a tight end with the second pick. It even had us scratching our head out here. You know, we offensive line stinks. We we could have used all kind of different things. An ed, edge rusher, go down the list, and we get a tight end. And, you know, quite frankly, a guy, I didn't hear much about him leading into the draft. Definitely, you know, didn't realize he was on the Cardinals radio, radar. But you bring a Zach Ertz in here uh, as a veteran at that position, I think that's something you need who could be a security blanket. I don't think fans realize how much a good tight end, how the value he is to a young quarterback, even veteran quarterbacks, but especially a young quarterback. So I think the 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 reason Trey is kind of behind the eight ball right now, they're trying to give whatever help they can to a Joshua Dobbs or if they have to eventually turn to Clayton Toon. And you're also playing paying um, uh, Zach Ertz. And we know how these frugal organizations are. If we're going to pay him, we better doggone well be using him. And I think that's where we are with Zach. We might get later in the season, and who knows what his incentives are. They might shut him down, maybe get Trey more uh, on the field. But right now, it's just the, you know, Trey is doing the best he can with what he has. But at any position, we're, especially offensively, we're going to be at a, a, a negative because we got, as our quarterback position is guiding everything. So, if, if Trey continues, just hey, work hard at practice, do your thing. At some point, you're going to get your chance. Right now, I think it's just because Ertz is such a necessity to try to take some pressure off our quarterback. Could you imagine you got a young tight end and you got a young quarterback or inexperienced and you're just throwing all that out there? We need veterans at any spot we can to give us some type of benefit. And I think that's what Zach is over Trey right now. Was it 10 targets? He turned into 21 yards, which is not all that great. But he might see a former teammate often in third down, second and long type of situations in Isaiah Simmons. So, Ed, we have to ask you, this is the elephant in the room on the podcast. (laughs) What the heck went wrong with Isaiah Simmons in Arizona? And why the hell did Monty Austin for only get a seventh round pick in return for him? And those are some great questions, Nick. What went wrong? You had an organization that got this young man a few years ago. They threw so much at him because instead of getting him and saying, hey, you could do this, this, and this, but let's have you concentrate on this first. Find a home for him as far as a position. They they picked him up and was like, well, you can play. You can be a safety. We're going to put you a linebacker. We're going to put you edge. We're going to put you covering tight ends out of the back or, you know, or running backs out of the back. We're going to do all this stuff. And he just got so overwhelmed that – he wasn't able to learn and just play and be free. So you take those three years of just mass confusion, bring a new organized uh, uh, front office in there and they're looking at him and he's almost like damaged goods because of how poorly he was utilized. And now he's behind the eight ball. I mean, he hasn't developed at all. And then they, the, what I'm thinking is Austin Ford and, and uh, Gannon, they said, okay, look, we're going to, we want you to play safety or they might even ask them what position do you feel most comfortable at huh, safety. So they threw him back there, but he, he, you're looking at him like he should be three or four years developed into his career. He's literally starting from scratch because they, they just abused him in terms of the, the overall expectations. They never developed him. Now he's an unfinished product. You, as far as awesome for it. And again, and they're, we're not going to waste time. And here's one other factor. You go out, 
and this is how smart our organization was. You get Isaiah Simon, Simmons, right? The next year, we're going to go get Zayvon Collins, the exact <laughs> same player who does, like a positionless player. Let's go get another one of those. So now they've converted Zayvon Collins to somewhat of an edge guy linebacker. They didn't have any place or use for Isaiah Simmons. And rather than sell for even later, lower later, they figured we'll just get something for him, which I'm I'm rooting for for Isaiah Simmons like you cannot imagine. I, I, I hope he has an opportunity to have a rebirth to his career, find a home because he was done dirty out here. Just and and not by not on purpose. He was just done dirty by, you know, we had they had all these big expectations and just totally abused him to this point. And now he's, you know, looked as looked at like a, a bust, but I don't think he's a bust. I just think they didn't do him right. Yeah, and we're one week into the season, Ed, but Giants fans are certainly hoping that what you just said kind of comes true for the Giants, where, look, they have a different type of mindset here with Wink Martindale is going to really simplify things for Simmons and try to let him do what he does best. And I didn't think his week one debut was anything special, but there were a couple interesting moments from him. The the tackle he had underneath against Tony Pollard really showed off his athleticism, and he'll get some ups as a, as a pass rusher. And I, and I also got to say, Ed, just from listening to your breakdown, it must be crazy for Cardinals fans to, to to witness them kind of going through Zayvon Collins coming into this like you know hybrid type role when all they really had to do they had him on the roster already they had Hassan mm-hmm. Reddick on the rest on the roster and how do you let a player like Hassan Reddick go at all I mean like that's young talent that's one of the best edge rushers in the NFL it just sucks to see him leave leave that roster for if you're a Cardinals fan but before we get to the matchup I do want one I want one more question on a former player who's with the Giants is now with the Cardinals I think fans are interested in hearing about so I definitely wanted to bring him up and that's Will Hernandez obviously anyone who watched football last week saw the Giants offensive line was an absolute disaster I mean it was scary I don't know if you saw this Nick or Ed but I recently watched like a, a mic'd up with the Cowboys sideline and it was <laughs> it was embarrassing. It was really what they're like, you get a sack, you get a sack, you get a sack, Oprah style. And it, they were doing that. And I mean, it was just like they were saying, we're going to make this team quit by halftime. That was the goal. And they and, and in a lot of ways they did. And a lot of the reason for that was the interior offensive line play from the mm-hmm. New York Giants. Has Will Hernandez, how has he kind of established himself there? Because he really wore out his welcome during his final time with the Giants. Yeah, this off, you know, and I you have to look at the previous regime to where that's where you lay the blame. You look at Gannon and Austin Ford and everybody petting our offensive coordinator coming in here. They're taking over a mess. And for the last five plus years, we watched Steve or Kime just like offensive line. What's that? We don't, we're going to wait till the fourth, fifth, sixth round. We'll get those guys later. It's not a priority. Didn't even go out and get what you would call high end free agents to come in here. You go get a Will Hernandez, you know, serviceable guy, but any, and I, I tell people all the time, being a former tight end, you have no idea how cohesive that offensive line has to be in order to be successful. They've taken away hitting during the off season. The guys don't play during the preseason anymore. So they're trying to get their work in doing regular practices. You can't amp those up, you know? So then you get to the regular season. What does that mean? First month of the season, these offensive lines are going to look horrible. I, I brought this up the other day. There's no other position group on a football team that you cannot have or you hope you don't have substitutions for. You can sub out your defensive line, your fronts, your defensive secondary, your nickel, dime, you know, wide receivers are in on packages, no tight ends on the field. Your offensive line is that one group that they need to work together 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 
And what has happened, we've patched it together so much, including with Will, that those guys, it's almost an unfair advantage. You know, some of the guys, they, they do pretty good individually, but it, all when it's when you got five guys out there trying to work, all it takes is one dude to bust, and everybody looks like a clown. And it's hard for somebody like a Will. You know, he's in. You know, they've made some other adjustments. It's not going to always look good. And, you know, I, I feel bad for those guys because they get a bad rap. They really do. They're they're working on it. Our Cardinals offense line with Will, it's going to be a work in progress all the way through. You just hope, you know, as the weeks go by, it gets a little better. But he's been a, a good addition. When Whenever you can, you know, like your, your overall grade is, well, at least they didn't look like clowns out there, you know. That that's a you know for us it's like well they didn't embarrass themselves you know didn't do anything special but at least they didn't get demolished like the Giants did so <laughs> I hate to say that but yeah that was you know that's what I was expecting I ex- expected the the Commanders to treat us like the Cowboys did you guys it didn't turn out that way so at least for one week it looks like they're heading in the right direction. And we'll get into that in a little bit, just because I watched some of the commander's defense and they were really pressuring Sam Howe. They were getting after him. Some of the commander's offensive linemen were just flat on their back. I was like, oh, that that's a good sign for Dexter Lawrence and the Giants when they play them twice. But I want to ask one more question before we get into week one. Who were the players in training camp that were generating buzz? Was there any positivity surrounding the franchise? And did any of those players translate that positivity to week one? Oh, Nick, that's a good question. I, when, when your expectations are so low, it's it. We were, and I've been bashing the team a little bit, and I think unfairly, because I was in that position years ago. Meaning, not much was expected of myself or other teams that I played for, and you know, we came out and either proved people wrong or we at least you know uh, were respectable. This team, I'm not going to say there was any standouts or anything that caught my eye during training camp because maybe my negativity was too much. I'm looking at other organizations and their rosters. Like you think about, you know, like a, a Dallas roster or a 49ers roster within our division. And you're like, wow, I wish I had that. I wish we had that because that's exciting when you're going into a season. And the best thing you can say is, well, you know, uh, yeah, we, we, we held on and, yeah, it, it just it it takes away from your excitement, takes away a little bit away from your even um I guess the way we look at the team. So and, and I tell people this all the time, and I'm not trying to dance around the answer. For me, give me four weeks into the regular season, and I'll be able to have a full report for you. Because as I mentioned earlier, nobody's playing in preseason. We got a young quarterback group we got guys who are just trying to figure out how to play with each other including offensive line it's almost unfair to to say you know analyze this i want to say and this is for every team across the league my nephew plays in and cincy look how bad they look this past week and a lot of it is because they haven't worked together guys get the first month of the season for me moving forward till we make changes to how the offseason is done again Guys may be playing a little more in the preseason for real. First month of the season is like preseason football for us. One, we're just getting to know some of the players, what they can actually do doing live action. And, you know, some of the the abilities and skills we see, these guys are going to get either better during the, during the year or they're going to be even worse because everybody else is getting better 
and we're not getting better. So, you know, long and short is I didn't know what to expect, and I still don't know because I'm waiting for these next two or three weeks to see what we actually have in front of us. Let's roll it forward, uh, Ed, to this matchup. And I think where it has to start, for me at least, is the matchup between the Cardinals front and the Giants offensive line. Because obviously, the Giants offensive line was an epic disaster against the Cowboys. And on the flip side, the Cardinals had a really good game against Washington. Six sacks. And I look back at last season, Ed, Jonathan Gannon, Eagles defensive coordinator. Now he's the head coach of the Cardinals. And he set a record with the Eagles last year for sacks in a single season. And now he brings it over. Cardinals were not expected to have the personnel to be sacking the quarterback a lot going into the season. Not many expectations there. And yet they come out with six sacks in week one. So a few questions on that one. How did they get it done? Was it more? Uh, what Were they blitzing? Were they sending more than four guys or were they just getting it done with four man pass rushes? And two, uh, do you think this is something that can translate to to this matchup or was it something specific to how poorly uh, either one? the Washington offensive line played, or two, Sam Howell was in the sense that sometimes we see these inexperienced quarterbacks take a lot of sacks. That all great questions, and I think it, it has to be broke down like this. Some different questions. Was Washington that, that bad, or did the Cardinals play that well? You also have to factor the weather in there as well. Um, for me, I saw a scheme put together by Gannon and his defensive uh, coaches that one confused Washington, which was a great thing. We also have to remember they will now, you guys will have one week of film every week we play teams will be able to look at the film and then decide how to attack the Cardinals moving forward. It was a combination of, for me, a combination of that was a pretty good game plan to put together. Everybody did for the most part, exactly what they were supposed to do. I will say this much penalties killed the, the Cardinals' chance of winning that game when it all came down to it. But they can get a little more discipline. And you mentioned it, Dan. It all starts on both fronts for me, offensive and defensive fronts. Who's going to dominate this game or have better outcome? I, you know, I look at the Cardinals' offensive line. You know, we'll have some struggles. I look at your offensive line. This might be a get-back game for you guys, especially – with the weapon of uh, one Saquon Barkley. If you guys come in here with a game plan to first put us on our heels with the run game and everything generates from there, play action, et cetera, et cetera, you'll be fine. If you come in here thinking Danny's going to throw the ball over the field 40 different, 45 different times just to earn that money, then you guys could be in the same boat as Washington. But, you know, I, it all starts up front for me. And I, I the best thing that might have happened – I know you'll both not want to hear this, is that you guys didn't lose a close one. You lost a blowout. So a lot of guys in your room, including coaches, that have to make up for that sin that was last week. So maybe a little more attention to detail, a little more tightness on the uh, game plan. I think you guys should be okay coming in here. If the Cardinals stick around in this one and – you know, do what they did to Washington last week, then I'm going to have to start changing my mindset a little bit. But <laughs> I'm not ready to say that yet. Especially with the Giants averaging five yards a carry on that first drive. They were running the football down Dallas's throat, and then they strayed away mm -hmm. from it. Next thing you know, they're down 16 nothing, and all was lost. So I want to yeah. ask you about the Cardinals' run defense. 
I don't know how much Washington really pressed it. I know Brian Robinson, I think he had a receiving touchdown. Antonio Gibson had like four carries and he fumbled the football. But what is the Cardinals run defense? Do you think they will be able to stop a, a rushing attack? That's probably not going to have Andrew Thomas, which also leads to what you said about how the Giants more than likely aren't going to want to drop Daniel Jones back all that often if there is no Andrew Thomas protecting him on the left side and their swing tackle Matt Parrott is also hurt. Well, I guarantee you the players, your the Giants uh, offensive line, they heard the reports how Dallas was on the sideline clowning them. And this is a game that you have to come out. And if you're an offensive line coach, and I'm, at tight ends, we're always in the room with those guys. Tight, the offensive line coach, they take this stuff seriously. This is That was an outright affront to my senses. And we need to come out and play better. We need to come out and punch somebody. If it's on your own mother, you need to punch her, be real willing to punch her in the mouth this doggone week. These dudes need to come out, and I, I'm assuming that's how they, they're going to start the game out. They saw they had a little success early. Uh, the turning point might have been that dog on blocked field goal, took the air out of everything, and then the snowball just started going down the hill. But if you come in here with a mindset, we're going to establish the run first. We got Saquon, you know, run the ball down these guys' throat, with, then we'll open up everything else, your play action. I think you'll be okay. As far as attacking this front, I think if you have success early, what it does, it causes – our defensive side to have to put more guys down in the box. And then what does that do? That opens everything up over the top and in the middle of the field. So I'm not an offensive coordinator, but that would I'm doggone if that wouldn't be my game plan. You know, and, and then the other thing is make sure you, you know, I feel like I'm giving secrets away against the Cardinals. Like, but you know, make sure you take the try to take their heart away early. Don't give them the confidence that Washington did. And then by the time you looked around, it was like third, late third, fourth quarter. And they actually started believing they could win this game. What what cost the Cardinals for me was they went into that game with such a conservative offensive game plan that by the time it came in the fourth quarter and they actually had a chance to win, their mindset and their plan was so muted that, you know, it was inevitable that Washington was going to get back into that game. If you're going to, in my opinion, if you have nothing to lose, that's like, you know, you're playing with house money. What do we all do? We go to Vegas, right? You get a couple hundred dollars of the casino's money in your pocket. Man, I'm doubling down on everything. I'm splitting yeah. on everything. If you're the Cardinals, you got nothing to lose. I'm fake punting. I'm going for it on every fourth down that's mad, that's reasonable. You're, the game plan for anybody coming in the playoffs to be, you don't know what the hell they're going to do. But you know, obviously, we started off conservative. I hope they get out of that because if there is a chance to win this game, it's not going to be with that game plan they had last week. I want to flip it a little bit to that side, to the other side of the ball. We haven't discussed a lot, and that's Cardinals offense versus the Giants defense. Both Nick and I were discussing this pre-pod. We don't really know too much about Cardinals offensive coordinator Drew Petsnig and uh, Petsing, sorry. And we wanted to ask you, kind of, just from the first game, maybe the preseason things like that, your early impressions on him. What kind of system was he running in Week One? Was there a lot of eleven personnel, a lot of heavier personnel packages? You know, was he kind of aligning the receivers? Stagger? Was there bunches? What what was your impressions of what he did in week one and and what do you think will happen moving forward with him? Excuse me. He's learning on the fly. I, from what you know, what I saw, we had 25 run plays. We had 30 pass plays for me with a quarterback making his second start and or first start with you third overall, you know, offensive line, not necessarily sturdy. I think it was a is balanced and, and part of it, you know, we were trying to win that game late, you know, for 30 run play or 30 pass plays, 25. I think it was a balanced attack. 
as far as the what I saw from like even just the run game, they tried to get a little creative. They, you know, a couple of jet sweeps and different formations, packages. I think what's going to happen is Petsing is more comfortable. And that might be in, like I said, just, hey, we're not going anywhere. Let's open it up a little bit and see what we have. If Once he gets to that point, I, I think initially, just like everybody else, you know, these guys are all first real experience, and they're probably scared as hell. So what do you, when you're scared, what do you do? You're conservative as all outdoors. And I can understand that. You got, a, like I said, a quarterback who's been there two weeks, doesn't even know everybody's name. It's your first experience. You don't want to go out there and look like a clown throwing it around 50 times. Uh, so I give him a, a, a passing grade, you know, C, C minus, whatever it was, in terms of, you know, we can be a lot more creative, um, maybe utilize our, you know, packages in terms of uh, mixing up a little bit with some, you know, different you know uh parts you know maybe more tight ends this maybe more wide receiver go a little four wide more um, i do like the fact that we were under center uh, at least a few times i don't know you guys have not been monitoring this thing when kingsbury was here we were at a 95 96 percent clip of jet like a shotgun formation now who knows when kyler vincey comes back if he comes back I know he doesn't like being under center. Maybe they might have forced him under there. But it was nice just to see a quarterback under center, you know, give the, the, the I guess, the appearance that you want to run some play acts and different things like that. You know, these guys are learning. I expect every week to be a little better, a little crisper, a little more ingenuity, et cetera, et cetera. But, I, you know, they, for a first game, and I, I real quick, I did some coaching a few years ago before I had my first back surgery. I was at junior college level, and I was up in the booth. I remember being up in the booth the first time, Phoenix College out here. I didn't know what the hell was going on. It, <laughs> it looks real easy when you're down on the field. All of a sudden, you're up there in the booth with the headset on. You're, man, trying to identify stuff, get stuff called, get, you know, the proper people. in. Man, it's a whole lot different than, you know, playing Madden or, you know, being so I give them all the credit in the world. Like, so hopefully each week they get a little better. It's the speed of it that people oh, never everything is so quick when you're a and coach. it's not it's not even 40 seconds, it's like 20 because you gotta have everything called and identified on to the next because they gotta have the clock to go up and make the calls, make the changes, make the so you're talking about that 40 second clock. By the time it's at like 25 30, you better have all your information delivered so they can do it, translate it and do it down there. And it man, 40 seconds never seems so fast in my life. Yeah. <laughs> that's why you need a coaching staff that you trust as the guy yeah. who's calling the plays and yeah. you need to be very decisive with your decision making just get that shit out there you're going to be calling timeouts yeah these operational areas something that the giants actually suffered a couple times during week one against dallas it's funny that you brought up cliff kingsbury it reminded me of listening to gambo show and and uh what is it uh <laughs> wolf out here uh, wolf, yeah yeah they they used to complain about kingsbury all the time crack me up <laughs> but i want to ask you Ed, i know you're an offensive guy but if you could put your defensive goggles on for a second, and if you're the Giants defensive coordinator, Wink Martindale, and you had to circle one player on the Cardinals offense to focus on, to monitor, because there's some talented players here, Hollywood Brown, Rondell Moore, James Conner, who would that player be? For me, it would be James Conner. If you shut the running game down here, that we don't have a backup like plan. You know, if you're going to ask Dobbs to drop back, and read coverages and get them in and out of plays and, and do it. If you can stop our running game, start, you know, forcing the issue even by getting 
you don't have any real fear of over the top. So you get eight, nine in the box, force confusion down there, locking schemes, everything's going crazy, and you just unleash and, and force us to have to drop straight back. And like I said, read coverages and then with those with, with wink and those exotic blitzes and stuff like that, you'll be all over us. So if you my my opinion, if you stop our running game, which is primarily Connor, you'll have success. Because we like I said, we don't have a a, a, a counter punch, if if I would, you know, say that. We we were just undermanned, um, under talented, you name it. You guys have more talent, both sides of the ball. This should not be a contest if you do everything the right way. Another question, too, just about talent. Sorry, Dan. No, go. But who is the best player on this roster? Like Dan and I go back and forth, Ed, when it comes to like Saquon Barkley, Dexter Lawrence, Andrew Thomas. Is it Buda Baker for you guys, or who else is in contention if it is Buda? It's Buda Baker, and, and here's the problem with that. When your safety is your most talented guy and he's making all the plays, what does that mean? There's two things. Either you're running him up into the box where he's blowing stuff up, or there's a whole lot of stuff going on in your secondary when guys are running 15, 20 yards up the field and he's making tackles. And that's been, you know, that, that's been the identity. Buddha is, you know, he's nobody's, he is not afraid to come up and lay wood. But more the majority of the time, you know, it's 10, 12 yards up the field where he's making plays because obviously he's the, He's the cap on the defense. He's the, uh, the that last level of defense, and that 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 means we're allowing a lot of people to get to. And we're only one game in now, but I'm talking about last year's version. And you know, the, he is the last level of defense. He, he any money that he wanted, they should have given to him if they had plans to keep him here because he is the heart and soul of this team. But like I said, when when you have to, you think about it. Years ago, you know, we could flash back to a Chandler Jones. We had him. A few years ago, when he was still kind of in his prime, he had five sacks one game. I think in an opener a couple of years ago against Tennessee. Uh, you know, we had a JJ Watt toward the end of his career, but you know, we had Byron Murphy. You can run down the list of talent that we had here. It's all been stripped away. Buddha's the last remaining semblance of you know that dude's a baller, and you know there's only so much he can do at the back end of that defense. You know, you think about offensively, we got rid of a DeAndre Hopkins who, you know, for many reasons, I'm glad he's gone. He just wasn't good for this, what they were keeping here. Didn't like the practice, you know, setting bad examples. So, you know, we've had our issues with talent. What I'm hoping is over the next two to three years, we can start pointing out our great talent. You know, that guy is going to be this or, yeah. Right. But right now, it's like I said, it's stripped down to the bone. Yeah, I mean, you, you, it's an interesting situation. It's almost hard to imagine that this team was 8-0 and at one point, not too long ago. Oh, um, God, it's just yeah. crazy to think about that and how things fast things change in the NFL. Ed, thank you so much for your time today. I got one more that I want to leave off on. Right now, Ed, we put you on the – let's say we put you on the spot. We said, one, Ed, <laughs> what week do you think Kyler Murray will play this season or if he will play this season? And then, two, is Kyler Murray the starting quarterback in week one of the 2024 season? Ooh, you come loaded, Dan. Uh, <laughs> Gotta get great, those. And great questions, too. And I'll I'll say this much. We don't know right now because they're, the front office is saying all the right things about mm. Kyler, even made him a captain. And I'm scratching my head like, how can you make a dude that's not even going to be on the field <laughs> yeah. a captain? And people forget, too, his schedule is not the same as the dudes that are actually, actually active right now. He's going to be on a totally different schedule. Probably doesn't have to be in until 8 or 9, get his rehab in. You know, do his stuff, and then 
I don't know how they do it. He because he's on the pup and I can't. He might be able to go home at one o'clock, you know, because his day is done. Maybe study a little film and stuff like that. But he's not involved in the day to day. How can you make this guy captain? And because they're trying to say all the right things, they're trying to lead us in the right in the direction of he's our guy. He's our. I'll tell you this: my sign is going to come not at week four, five when he's eligible to play again, but I would say. Three weeks or so later, when you get around week eight, if they start making excuses why he isn't ready or he starts making excuses that he's just not ready mentally or whatever it is, and then we get to that point where the team is two and ten, two and whatever it is, and then the thought is, I'm waiting for it. Okay, well, you know, it's not really advantageous to put, you know, Kyler out there because you know we're only risking further injury next year is our target so we're gonna sit him and shut him down for the year that bell starts to go from my head okay you know now the clock has started now it might be time they're already thinking about draft next year setting themselves up now if we get the week 8 9 10 11 we're bad but they still are ramping him up and then he gets out there that lets you know that hey we want to see what he can do and we're not afraid of re-injury or anything like that because he is our man but until i see it i'm i'm leaning toward we could have another quarterback here they they did it a few years ago when they had josh rosen as a first round pick next year they did the exact same that we're talking about now you know even anything is possible so give me a few weeks you'll be out here nicholas watching it give us a few weeks and we'll see what direction they might be heading All right, Ed, thank you so much for joining us today on the Big Blue Banter podcast. Again, thank you uh, for the second time. And let me know, let it once again, let the fans know where they can find your work and where they can listen to you. On the Twitter or the X or whatever it is, all my my socials, Ed Smith Speaks. Uh, You know, you can go to our website. It's the EZ Sports Talk uh, Show.com. And that's E and a Z. Uh, Go to my website, EdSmithSpeaks.com. We got radio stuff there. Uh, and if you want to check us out on Sports Map Radio, uh, every Saturday, 1 to 3 Eastern across the country, all the way out to Hawaii, uh, we're doing our thing. And they can always uh, catch the Believe in the Cardinals podcast and the Easy Sports Talk podcast as well. So easy stuff all over the place. Just go grab it wherever you can. Yeah, I appreciate that, Ed. And good luck to your nephew out there in Cincinnati because I got him on one fantasy team. So I'm still oh, holding out hope. I like the hey. talent. Love this film in Alabama, and I feel like with Joe Burrow, there is an opportunity there. If I talk uh, to him, got to throw for what'd you say? If I talk to him, then I'm gonna tell him he has to do better for all of us. No, 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 never. I don't ever want to be that guy. He's like, <laughs> who better for my fantasy team? So I never want to be that person. So please do not do that. Just good luck to him out there. Stay healthy and obviously. You guys are the best, man. Yep. I appreciate you guys having me and look forward to staying connected. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, Big Blue Banter listeners? I'm excited for the football season for several reasons. And one of those reasons is Prize Picks, which is North America's largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform. And it's so simple to use. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including professionals, sharks, and people who are going to exploit you, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and you just watch the winnings roll in. It's very simple to play and gives you a little extra skin. I've set my picks in less than 60 seconds. There are so many stats to choose from, and the withdrawals of funds are easy and quick. Dan and I will be adding a segment to our show before every game where we pick our favorite stats, more or less yards or touchdowns, what have you, and we'll be discussing why from a scheme, matchup, and game theory perspective. I love their promotions and how easy their interface is to operate at prize picks. I may select more on tackles for a loss from Bobby Okereke or Kayvon Thibodeau next game. They also do other sports as well. It's a really cool experience. Please join Dan and I in the fun of prize picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash banter and use code banter for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, go to prizepicks.com slash banter and use code banter for a first deposit match up to $100. You will not regret it. This is Dan Schneier of the Big Blue Banter Podcast. In case you didn't know, the show you're listening to right now is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Blue Wire was founded in 2018 on the concept that independent podcasts would be more successful if they worked together. And now Blue Wire currently has 300 shows with athletes, celebrities, passionate fans like myself. I found Blue Wire right around the time when I started the Big Blue Banter podcast. When I started Big Blue Banter in 2018, I had an idea for a show, a name for a show, and then I had to figure out how to monetize that show and grow that show. That's when I found Blue Wire. Kevin Jones put everything on the line for this company and then found us in this show a way to monetize the content with strategy sessions, provided us new segments, connect us with podcasters, and even gave us an opportunity to record in the Win Vegas studio. Blue Wire has now raised over $10 million privately to grow and operate the business, and they're raising another round right now on WeFunder to expand the sales team and improve the operations. WeFunder is a crowdfunding service that connects startups with investors. It gives everyone an opportunity to be a part of the growing startup. This is not a donation. You're investing to own a piece of BlueWire. If you would like to be a part of the BlueWire investment round, or you want to find out more information, go to WeFunder.com slash BlueWire. And remember, supporting BlueWire is another way to support our show and this podcast. Nick, you ever been in the spot where you just felt like, I've got a few hours to go. I'm going to this game. I'm buying tickets. I don't have the tickets yet. You're stressing. The anxiety is at an all-time high. And you're trying to figure out what the heck you can do to get to this game. That happened to me a few years ago when the Wisconsin Badgers made the Sweet 16 game in the Madison Square Garden. My dad, diehard Badgers fan, the reason I went to Wisconsin, the reason I am a Badgers fan, I needed to get him tickets for that game. It was his birthday. So I'm stressing. I don't know what to do. And then, boom, I figure it out. 
I use the Game Time app. The Game Time app is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and anything near you. They got killer deals, last-minute tickets. You click open the app, and you're shocked to see that you can actually go to these games having a good time, and not actually have to pay so much money that it breaks your bank account. Stanley Cup Final Week 1 this past season. I used the Game Time app last second. It was actually past the time of puck drop. Went on the app. I was in Vegas. Saw the Vegas Golden Knights defeat the Florida Panthers. And I also used the Game Time app to buy my entire family when they came out here to Phoenix to visit me to see Tom Segura's special, which is actually the same special Netflix used for their videotapings. And I love it because you can find so much on the app. Like you get an actual image of the seat view not like you're buying a seat with an obstructed view it's an actual image you know what you're getting lowest prices that i've seen by far and that's their guarantee you get an event cancellation protection job loss protection they go all out here to make sure that this is a great experience for the user snag the tickets without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account and use the code banter that's b-a-n-t-e-r for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account and redeem the code banter b-a-n-t-e-r for twenty dollars off download game time today Another excellent interview with Ed Smith, former tight end for the Eagles and among other teams. I don't know why we bring up the Eagles. We have to, though. That's the team he made the most, uh, the biggest mark on. Nick, from talking with Ed and looking at the matchup myself, as you mentioned on the episode, more than likely the Giants. I mean, we don't know this for sure, but it feels like Andrew Thomas won't play in this game. But again, it's, it, this is unpredictable at this stage on Wednesday uh, or when, when we're recording this. Um, it feels to me, Nick, like... The Giants pretty much have a really simple route toward winning this game. Yeah. Uh, whether they stick with it is the next question. But I feel like on the just looking at on both sides of the ball, on the offensive side of the ball for the Cardinals versus the Giants defense, the Giants should be able to shut down that run game and commit a lot of resources there. Yes, I think the Cardinals will probably hit them with like a four, 12 to 14 yard end around at some point and a play action shot to Rondell Moore on a wheel or something. But like, you know, Occasional 12 and occasional 30 field goal, field goal shot down in the red zone. I feel like the giants defense is probably only going to give up like six to 13 points in this game. That's really yeah. how I feel about this. So can the giants offense without Andrew Thomas score 14 or more is the question for me and not give away points like last week where they gave a pick six away that seven points, the giants defense didn't give up. And obviously the block kick return, that's another seven points. The giants defense didn't give up. That's 14 points, but can they limit that? And can they score 14 of their own or 14 or more of their own? And I think the answer is yes. They stick with the run game here. I will say this. This is the thing that scares me, Nick, just from looking at the film you put up of the Cardinals defense last week, a lot of those sacks and pressures against Howell were four man rushes. They were well-designed. There were a couple simulated pressures in there. Mm -hmm. The Giants had a lot of trouble with four-man rushes against the Cowboys. And if you drop, if you rush four, you're dropping seven. That makes it really difficult for Daniel Jones to find an open receiver. What are your thoughts on that side of the ball? Can the Giants get to 14 or more in this game? Yeah, they absolutely should get. It's a, it's a big problem and a huge concern if the Giants don't get to 14 points. And we'll do our predictions a little bit later. And I understand that the Giants offensive line sucks and there's not going to be Andrew Thomas, but I think the Giants are going to establish the run. I think they're going to work the play action, like Ed said. I don't think it's only going to be that, though. I don't think this is going to be a repeat of the Houston Texans game from last year. Not that not that Brian Dable is, is going to be stubborn and say, no, we're passing the football and staying true to this identity we're trying to force. I think it will be game plan specific. And if they're having success running the football on the ground, like they did against the Dallas Cowboys on the first drive, I don't think they're going to stray away from that too much, but they are going to use those option 
RPO type plays where Daniel Jones gets out on the move a little bit. So I expect the Giants to get right. I do. I'm going to be in attendance. And if I'm wrong, you know, <laughs> smack me in the face because it's it's going to be a if the Giants don't win this football game, it's the, the season is almost a failure. And it's nuts that I'm saying that right now, Dan, in week two. But to lose in that manner and any loss counts the same, but we're not going to sit here and act as if the 40 to nothing burger against the Dallas Cowboys isn't nothing. That's huge. That was massive. It completely 180'd everything that we felt as Giants fans, Giant Nation, going into this season. In really one quarter, two quarters, in one half, the Giants 180'd our entire interpretation of the team. I don't think they're that bad, but if they come out and lay an egg on the road against Arizona, and mind you, just another thing, we said this before, they have a short week. And a lot of teams do seem to struggle on those short weeks, but I yep. think they are going to get right against Arizona. I think their focus has to be on Arizona. You have to dust off what the hell happened in week one. You got to run the football. You got to work the play action passing attack. You got to use your concepts and you got to get right at the same time. That's one reason why I don't think it's just going to be give the football to Saquon 36 times like it was against Houston. The Giants need to establish some rhythm heading into San Francisco. Yeah, I think you're you're onto it there, Nick. If this was a game where the Giants had beaten the Cowboys in week one, obviously that didn't come close to happening, but said they had done that, they might it might have been a look-ahead game where they're looking ahead to San Francisco on the schedule and they overlook a team like the Cardinals and they get themselves in a, a game like Washington got themselves into last week. But because they got blown out by the Cowboys, that's not no longer an option. There is no look ahead to San Francisco. And one thing I wanted to discuss with you about that Cowboys game, I talked about it on uh, the on the inter in the interview with Ed, how I did watch a little bit of the Cowboys mic'd up, and you know they were really they were it was it was a sad sight. They were laughing on the sideline of the Giants. They're like, we're going to make this team quit by halftime, and they were able to accomplish that. They're like, you get a sack, you get a sack, everyone's getting a sack. But it goes into what Ed, a little bit of what Ed talked about, and that's two things. It's one, with the new rules in the NFL, right? Barely, pre nobody's really playing in the preseason. The Giants starters on offense had one series, and it didn't last that many plays. Training camp, nothing like it used to be. Not a lot of hitting, no two-a-days, some days without pads, breaks, days off. The offensive line play, according to Ed, is so much worse than what he remembers it during his time playing football because of this, because they're not practicing. And you saw that in week one with the Giants. Obviously, it didn't happen with the Cowboys for whatever reason. <laughs> Giants D-line wasn't able to take advantage of that. But you saw it with the Giants. And he also mentioned, Nick, to add to that point, that he believes out of every group that he studied on the football field. You all right over there, buddy? Yeah, I'm good. What are you drinking over there, by the way? This is just water with a little bit of Mio in it. Okay, I forgot about your Mio water things. Um, yeah, I don't do. know. Some some science nerd is going to be like, "That's actually really bad for you." I think, like, it right, yeah. I think it is. I think it is. I think you're you hope that nobody says that because if you read that, you'll probably never drink it again and it'll probably, change your yeah. whole lifestyle. Because I know you. If somebody points out a bad health thing, you're done with it. But so I won't be that guy. But I will <laughs> say, I think that science nerd is probably right. That Mio stuff's probably chemical, all chemicals. But we'll move on from that. You enjoy the taste, and you need Too a little long. some little flavor in the water. I get it. That's why I got this little seltzer. But to add to Ed's point, he also mentioned that continuity on the offensive line is such a big deal. And that's why I wonder, man, like, you know, they're doing all these rotations throughout training camp, throughout the preseason, throughout the throughout the joint practices. All right, here's a guard here, a guard there. Golinski's now off the field, and they just rotate, rotate, rotate. Did that potentially also, the combination of that and basically no reps in the preseason and the limited training camps that I discussed earlier play a role in why the Giants offensive line was just so disastrous in week one? What are your thoughts on that? I think there's definitely credence to that. I don't think it's the only thing, though. I just don't think Mark Lewinsky is that good. 
mm-hmm. of a football player, especially in pass protection. And I think it's affecting Evan Neal. And I also don't think Evan Neal is developing at all, at least from the small sample size that we have in week <laughs> one. That was the worst game that we saw from the right side of the line. The right side of the line was a liability for much of the season. I think if Mark Lewinsky, Dan, struggles in this game, you might see Marcus McKethan in there. I think he Ooh. is on the chopping block. I think you're going to, well, maybe Josh Azudu. I don't know how confident they are because it seems like Josh Azudu might be at left tackle, though. That's that's true, too. Yes. Uh, is is that the is that the the number one running left tackle right now if Parrot and Thomas can't go? Is Azudu I think so, the yeah. man up? And Brian Dable said at today's practice that we've been training him at left tackle. And we're recording this on Wednesday. This probably isn't going to drop right. until a little bit later on in the week. So, yeah, that's wild. But then McKethan would be that next player. And I think the Giants like this guy. And against a team like the Arizona Cardinals, like, again, you don't want to take them lightly. But if Daniel Jones can't drop back without getting pressure on the right side of the line, and I swear, Dan, if freaking Dennis Gardeck gets a sack against Evan Neal, I'm going to lose my mind. Dennis Gardeck is the is the picture-perfect overachiever who went to Sioux Falls and was like a UDFA in 2018 who was just floated around the league and has just been like a core special teamer. He had two sacks on Sam Howell, including a strip sack fumble for a touchdown, defeating a tight end and also defeating a tackle, I think, on one of them. Impressive player, right? Like the guy, if he was on the Giants, I think I said this earlier in another podcast, that I would be like, yeah, man, I love this guy. But if he's beating your top 10 pick in Evan Neal, which I don't envision, but if that happens, Jeez, man, you're gonna hear me fuming. Yeah. After uh, after I'm in attendance, I'm gonna be like, is that Gardeck? Can we get, a, can we get a rare Nick rant? Could we potentially be getting a rare I'm Nick not, rant? I don't think you've ever had a rant on this show. Have yeah, you? I'm not a big rant. You've had some. You've actually gotten heated up, uh, fired up a few times, um, but it's sure. not like a full on rant. It's been like a quick. I've seen you do some quick. Well, I'll go back and look up this. I'll have to do some <laughs> listening back because I definitely remember some like quick fire ups. It's like a quick, quick, quick bang, bang, bang. But then it like settles and tones right back in. Um, for me, I just get heated and then I just, I see red. Uh, that's you what happens for me. I just see red. Um, I'll, I'll say this though too, Dan, and I wanted to bring this up. I didn't get a chance to bring it up on the podcast. Daniel okay. Jones and Josh Dobbs averaged, I think like 4.2 yards per attempt. It was, everything was just quick right around the line of scrimmage. I think the Giants are going to get, take some shots. I think they wanted to against the Dallas Cowboys, but they literally had zero time. I expect them a little bit more time. I think Jalen Hyatt is going to get a deep ball in this game. He had that one quote-unquote drop that was bad ball placement i know i've taken a lot of shit on twitter for saying that but when you're jalen hyatt running a dig route or a post route whatever it was and the ball is thrown two yards behind you when you're running full speed and you have to adjust your entire body i'm always of the mindset if it hits your hands it's a wide receiver rule any football coach any wide receiver coach is gonna say if it hits your hands you should catch it that doesn't mean the fault all lies on you and you're fully culpable for it being an incomplete pass the quarterback has to optimize your ability to catch the football, maximize that ability, right? So on that play, Daniel Jones didn't. And I get it. Daniel Jones was rattled. We get it. This is football. Quarterbacks get hit. But I think Jalen Hyatt, to my point, is going to have a deep shot. I think they're going to try to run some sort of Mills concept, get that safety to bite down, and then just hit a deep shot over the top against a defender and outside leverage. And then we're going to see this third-round pick's true speed on display. He just never really had that opportunity against Dallas. Can we just call it like it is every single quarterback and every single quarterback coach in the NFL will tell you that that ball needs to be in front of the receiver. Okay. And every single quarterback and every single quarterback coach in the NFL will tell you that it's a bad throw. If the receiver is forced to turn back, adjust to it while he's crossing on the horizontal plane. And to add to that, you made a great observation last year that I don't think anyone else made um, in giants Twitter about how 
Jones is good with ball placement for the most part as a quarterback, but the one area he seems to struggle the most is when a wide receiver is crossing the horizontal plane for an extended period of time. Not when he gets in and out of that break. So if he's running a dig, Jones seems to be good at just driving it to that point. But when he's on that horizontal plane crossing for a while, we saw multiple balls, the Darius Slayton ball against Green Bay and a few others last season. Darius Slayton Poor ball placement. And so, again, you may, these people on Twitter who are coming at you, or if you're in the comment section right now, uh, AJ Kareem, shout out AJ Kareem. This guy is just an unbelievable blind homerism DJ guy. And I know you follow our work, so hopefully we don't lose you, but you just have to face the facts, buddy. Sometimes you're, not sometimes, always you're an incredible homer and you're blind to anything, it seems like. But listen, if a ball is thrown behind a receiver, it, it's not a good throw. The quarterback will tell you that. Daniel Jones will tell you that if you were lucky enough to have a conversation with him and the quarterback coach and the coordinator will tell you that. So why are you saying the opposite? If everyone that plays the game is telling you one thing, why are you claiming the opposite and then claiming the person who's saying it is a hater? This is just something that needs to get out. It's just getting so frustrating, Nick. I know we, it seems like we're doing this now. Too many podcasts. We're, we're going to tone it down. We'll get off of this. We don't need to do this anymore. But Point being, I agree with you. Those vertical shots will be there. I actually think, you know, we'll talk about that in our prediction at the end of this, but I think the passing game is going to look a lot better this week than it did last week. And I think a lot of that will be off of play action and shots like that. And I think this is a very big get right spot for the Giants. And I know I was blindly, it seems like optimistic about week one. And so were you. I guess you can consider it blind now. I don't know if it should be considered blind because the Cowboys, the Giants did play the Cowboys pretty well, in my opinion, both games last year, especially when you factor in how many injuries they had for that Thanksgiving game. But it all went to shit last week, obviously, and somehow, but this game to me, I don't feel like it's going to be the same. Now, I don't think they can get crazy and just go insanely pass heavy, but if they can do what they did last week and start by establishing the run and then pull your shots out and you're, you know, and you're not facing like you're not down 16, nothing, 23, nothing, 30, nothing. And you have to start throwing the ball. Things will look a lot better in the passing game. I think this week for sure. And you're talking about the probably the best defense in the NFL, the Dallas Cowboys jets might have something to say about it, yes, but it's in yeah. the conversation. The Arizona Cardinals might have the worst, one of the worst. They have some talent in Buda Baker, but it's a lot of unproven young guys. And Washington, their offensive line is worse than the New York Giants, possibly, which is saying a lot. But they don't have an Andrew Thomas type player. And I, you saw the pressure. I think some of that is Sam Howe. I think Daniel Jones is further along right now than a Sam Howe from a mental standpoint. And I also believe that this Giants yeah. coaching staff, and I understand how bad week one was, they're going to put Daniel Jones into a better position against the Arizona Cardinals than maybe EB did with Sam Howell, just because EB mm -hmm. it's EB's first time. And it's also Sam Howell's first. And there's a lot of just uh, young neophytes in, in new roles over there with uh, Eric B enemy and, and Sam Howell. So I think the giants are in a, in a get right situation heading into week two. And if they don't get right, then that's full on smash the panic button. And that's an excellent point too, by you, because you can look at that first game and be like, Whoa, the Cardinals defense, which didn't have a lot of talent on to begin with, though they have Gannon, but they didn't have a lot of talent to begin yes. with, had a really good game. But then you got to think about what you said. How much should we factor in the context of one? It's a new system for Washington with the enemy coming in there. And two, it's a quarterback who doesn't have a lot of experience. The Giants don't have either of those. They have the same system and they have a quarterback with a lot of experience at this point. Daniel Jones, he has tons of NFL starts under his belt. So I think because of that, it's not going to look the same. I hope I'm right. I mean, if somehow the offensive line is as disastrous as it was in week one and the Giants offense doesn't get moving in this game, Nick, that's when panic mode happens for me. It's all, it's immediately in week two for me. This is it. This is the moment. Like This has to be a get-right game. In my mind, the Giants have to win this game pretty similar to how they beat the Colts last season for me to feel at least like we're on the track to be a team that can make the playoffs and then make noise in the playoffs. If we win this game 13-10, 
you know, I might feel like there's two options here for the Giants moving forward. One, they're just not that good of a team. And maybe they can grind into a wild card spot and they'll lose that almost definitely. Or tank two, what? Tank for Marvin. No, no, no. There's no tank. I hope they <laughs> can't tank. They paid They paid everybody out. It's the tank. It, it's a joke. I'm just saying. Marvin yeah, no, Harris, I know. I know. No, Marvin but we Harris can't even root for draft picks at this point with where we're at this. We're, Marvin we're Harrison Jr. is just so good, is what I'm getting at. I, oh, I know. And he would change this. He would change things fast, but he's got none in the radar. But obviously, but yeah, but um, or two, like, they just looked at this thing and they're like, no Andrew Thomas early in the season. You can't, you know, training camps aren't the same. We didn't play anyone in the preseason. We need this offensive line to have more time to gel. Let's just get out of this one 13, 10 and move on to the next. And that's fine. If that is the game plan and, and we'll know that, right? Like we'll see it if we're running the ball all this time, but if they're trying to pass the ball, Nick, and it's not working, that's when I start to get worried about the ceiling of this team. So let's do this exercise. Cause I wish we did this last week and we were both idiots and failed to do so. If everything is going to go wrong again, I wish we did this last week. We would have said it's the right side of the line and it's the offensive line not protecting Daniel Jones from Micah Parsons. It was even worse than we could have imagined. So a week from now, if the Giants fail against the Arizona Cardinals, why do they fail? I think if the Giants fail against the Cardinals, they fail because the Cardinals were able to get pressure with their front four and not having a blitz and being able to drop seven and rush four and still get immediate pressure. And because the Cardinals are able to shut down the run game, those two things working together, they take away the run early. They take away the run consistently and they're able to get pressure with four. That's the and And then of course, like that still isn't enough. I don't think for the Cardinals to win this game. The other factor that will have to happen is they get points on defense and special teams like the Cowboys did last week. If they're able to get a fumble sit and they got themselves, right? They strip sack Sam Howell, scooped it and scored. So if they're able to score points from their defense or special teams, the Giants aren't able to do that. And that's obviously via turnovers. And those other two things happen. They shut down the run consistently and early. Plus they get pressure with just rushing four and dropping seven. That's how the Giants can lose this game. You also know that Wink Martindale is going to do everything in his power to get Isaiah Simmons an opportunity. Oh, yeah. True. Like, Isaiah Simmons is going to have some free rushes. There's going to now the Cardinals could do something to account for Isaiah Simmons. But guess what's going to happen? It's either going to be a mismatch against the running back in pass protection, James Conner, solid in pass protection, or another player is going to come free. You whether that be Aziz Ojolari or Kayvon Thibodeau, or maybe Jason Pinnock. It's going to be fun. All right, Nick. Since I'm not particularly worried to be completely honest with you about the Giants defense against the Cardinals offense. I expect this to be a really easy and and strong and productive game for the Giants. Even I could be wrong, but that's what I expect. I want to get into the other side of the ball where problems could happen. So I wanted to go over with you the, the coverages that Jonathan Gannon used in his first game with the Cardinals as head coach against the commanders last week. Now, could things change facing a Sam Howell offense versus Daniel Jones offense? Maybe, but this could just be part of who his DNA is. So Nick, Last week, Jonathan Gannon used cover two, 4.6% of the time, cover three, 16.9% of the time. This was interesting and expected based on his tenure with the Eagles, but he used quarters coverage 41.5% of the time, almost half of the plays. Cover six, 10.8% of the time. He also, this was interesting as well, used cover zero. 9.2% of the time. And then middle of the field, close cover one type looks only 7.7% of the time. So actually used cover zero more than he used cover one in this game. And then no snaps in uh, two man coverage. Looking at Jonathan Gannon, knowing that he's coming from the Eagles, they ran quarters all the time. That makes sense. Now those deep shots, if the pass rush doesn't get home, which the Cardinals don't have the horses that the Eagles had, you can dial up some mills type of concepts. You can dial up some concepts that have a deep post from the one 
with someone to occupy the other middle fourth defender and the other inner middle fourth defender from the other side of the field, whether that be a deep curl, whether that be a dagger type of concept, which is basically a deep dig with a clear out. All you want to do if that defender from the deep fourth outside is an outside leverage is have that deep post win inside while occupying that other deep fourth defender to the inside. And then you can have maybe just a deep shot that goes for a touchdown. The um, Cardinals are going to be tracking on that type of stuff. They're primarily match, right? They are match. That's what it is. So the safeties are going to read the release of the number two and they're going to react that way. But if you're aligning with both safeties, you know, 12 yards off the line of scrimmage, what have you, deep halves, you can run the football. That's one less guy in the box. A lot of players, I don't know if the Cardinals have the, the, the bodies up front to be playing gap and a half and to be occupying multiple gaps. Maybe against right. the Giants offensive line, they do. The Giants offensive line wasn't terrible running the football, though at least run blocking last week. So I'm imagining the Giants have some success. They're going to start cheating closer to the line of scrimmage. As Ed said, those big shots can possibly be set up by the Giants offense off the play action. So I think that's definitely going to happen. We saw that all last season with Mike right. Kafka. So it's nothing new. And also if they're in quarters, you can operate the the short passing attack pretty efficiently when there's only three defenders True. in that area. I, I still think you're going to get Daniel Jones on the on the bootlegs if, if the end man on the line of scrimmage isn't being disciplined. If he's disciplined early, I think the Giants might abandon that a little bit quicker than they did against Dallas because you saw Demarcus Lawrence was just like, nah, man, like I'm not falling for this. And the right. Giants, like Daniel Jones was in a, such a crappy spot at that point. I find the cover zero thing also pretty interesting. I think that is or that has to do with Sam Howell because Sam Howell's a newer quarterback. If they attempt to do that against the New York Giants, maybe we'll finally see a screen hit but I'm not going to put my money on that because the Giants have been terrible running screens, but maybe expect a little bit more pressure than we're used to seeing from a Jonathan Gannon team just because he doesn't have those four down linemen that he had in Philadelphia. Yeah, and that'll be something to track as well. That's going to be the focus for me, Nick. Giants offense versus Wash, uh, versus sorry, Cardinals defense here. All right, let's get into some predictions and wrap up here, Nick. I'm going to let you go first here. And just, just a reminder, we didn't do a great job predicting week one, that's for sure. Yeah. But last year, we had a lot of good predictions. We had the, I had the final record right at nine and nine. Well, I was close at nine and eight, nine and eight or nine, seven and one. And Nick and I both, when I look back, had a lot of good game by game predictions, including the Ravens upset, among others. So let's see what we can do this year, Nick. Let's see if we can get one right. We just over for one on the first one. Let me hear your prediction for this game, a score and a winner. Yeah, the Giants are going to win this game 24 to 6. So convincing win, some early field goals by the Cardinals. I think Wink Martindale is going to harass Josh Dobbs. I think there's going to be a lot of little checkdowns to James Conner. Giants just rally and tackle. Just don't give Josh Dobbs too much time to take a deep shot against one of the rookies for Marquise Brown. I'm not overly scared of those rookies losing to Marquise Brown, but anything can happen. I, I'm not going to say I'm confident that the Giants will win with this score. I'm confident the Giants will win, and I was not confident last week that they would win, but I did pick them to win like a dumbass. So here I am going right back to the well, drinking the Kool-Aid, and maybe I'll be lying there with a blanket under me wearing some sneakers. I hope you're not because, again, <laughs> if the Giants lose this game. It's a Jim Jones reference. <laughs> oh, I didn't even know that. Oh, you didn't get it? We're in a lot of trouble if the Giants lose this game for a lot of reasons, Nick, <laughs> both uh, professionally and mentally. Let's just say that, but – my prediction, Nick, is a little bit more uh, stretched out than yours even. I'm going 34-9 to Giants here, an absolute blowout win. I think the Giants will force two turnovers on defensive side of the ball, a forced sack fumble that they recover, potentially scoop and score, and an interception. 
I think that the Giants will be incredibly efficient in the red zone as an offense like they were last season under Kafka. I think we're going to get a dialed up deep shot potentially to Hyatt. I'm not sure who, but in that dome, I feel comfortable. Daniel Jones will put the ball out in front of the receiver, lead him enough, put enough air under it for him to run under it, catch the touchdown. I think the design will be there. The receiver will be open and Jones will complete it inside the dome. I just think it's going to be an all around great game for the Giants. They get right back on track in this one, 34 to nine. And by the way, once it happens, Nick, the narrative is going to change so fast on Giants Twitter. Like everyone's, oh my God, we're back. We did this. We're here. So that's, that's kind of my prediction for this game. The whole thing flips uh, entirely after week two. I think we always have to keep this in mind. And Ed brought it up. The Cardinals are suck. They suck. They're, they're, it's yeah. bleak out here. Like I listen to this, some of the sports radio at, at times and it's, it's very negative. They're basically tanking. Like, yes, essentially. He didn't want to use that word, but yeah, that's kind of what they're doing. And then we have a short week though, playing, Arguably the second best defense. You can even make the argument the first. I don't think so. In the NFC, I think it would go to the Dallas Cowboys, but San Francisco is a damn good defense. Like, there's no way, in my opinion, that Andrew Thomas is going to play against the Cardinals if you want him for week three. And he might right. not even play for week three. And at I that know. point, it's like, what the, are the Giants going to do? Are you going to have Josh Azudu out there as your left tackle against Nick Bosa? No knock on Josh Azudu, but that's one of the toughest assignments. It's like him or Miles Garrett or Micah Parsons, some of the toughest assignments you're going to see. This isn't even the kid's position. Giants found themselves. We thought they had tackled that. Tyree Phillips got dinged up, and then he just got released. And now we're sitting here with our freaking hands underneath our asses like, well, we're going to put that guard who wasn't really that great in his first season out there at left tackle against Nick freaking Bosa. We'll worry about that next week. Right now, let's focus on the Cardinals, and I'm right there with you. I think the Giants take care of business. And let's say this before we close out, Nick. I think we were both – I mean, again, it was against, like, third stringers, but and the game was basically over. We were both pretty pleasantly surprised by what Josh Zuda put out there on film, just all things yeah. considered, all context considered, yeah. at left tackle last week once Matt Parrott went down. We've never been pleasantly surprised with Matt Parrott at any point in a real game season in pass protection. In pass protection, yeah. In pass protection, he's been he's been a, a, a surprise, you know, a good run blocker at times. We've never been pleasantly surprised. So, how about this for a wild like narrative that could I could totally in my head already see happening on Giants Twitter potentially, and one thing that will not only happen on Giants oh, Twitter but we'll have to actually it. discuss. Do you know it. where I'm going with this. I know. Say Azudu plays this game against the Cardinals. And you already mentioned the Cardinals don't really have good pass rushers and a good front. So it's a good matchup for Azudu or anyone to play. And say he does pretty well in it. How fast before we start to hear, once Andrew Thomas is back, move Josh Azudu over to right tackle? How fast you could foresee that happening on Giants Twitter? During the game. Especially if Evan Neal gives up a sack to somebody. Oh, and Whether if Evan Neal is a bad game too. Oh my God whether it be B.J. Ojolari or Dennis Gardeck or Zayvon Collins, whoever, L.J. Collier. They got all of these yeah, those individuals. Types. Yeah, those types of guys who, like, nobody really wanted. They were going to be, like, the last day of free agency ads. And as Ed said, the Cardinals just came in and said, we got roster spots. You want money? And they all yeah. came there. So Giants, I mean, they, they got to take care of biz. For sure. All right, that's all we have for today on the Big Blue Banter Podcast. Keep it locked and loaded. Please subscribe if you haven't already to this page. Hit like if you're watching the video and haven't already hit like. I'm going to say this. It's really important for you guys to like these videos. So please hit the like button. And if you comment, obviously you'll see, notice Nick and I in the comment section from time to time. Uh, some of you, listen, if you're trolling, you're going to get hit back, but I clap back. That's, that's how I do things. So, you know, talking about it with a therapist and I'm hoping to get over that among other issues in my life. That's one I have to overcome. Stop feeding the trolls, but Look, I clap back. So if you're nice and you're informative and you're interested in your thought program with your comments, 
I'll comment. And so will Nick. And we'll discuss the Giants. That's what we love to do. But otherwise, have a great rest of your week. And we'll talk to you soon. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.